In Romans 12, 2, it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another word for transformed could be metamorphosis. In other words, through the renewing of your mind, you can know a metamorphosis like the metamorphosis that a caterpillar undergoes when it becomes a butterfly. It's that kind of radical change that Romans 12.2 is inviting us into through the renewing of the mind. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That the Bible talks about when someone comes to faith in Christ and hears the good news about Jesus, and that Jesus has won everything at the cross. When someone hears that good news and faith is sparked in their heart, the Bible talks about them going from death to life, darkness to light, they become a new creation. They, it talks about, I've been crucified with Christ, no, no longer live. It talks about a brand new start, a brand new life. And the renewing of the mind, the being transformed by the renewing of your mind, is how we increasingly, by steady steps and process, become who we already are in that moment of being born again. So it's a radical thing we're talking about this morning. And I'd like to ask you a question. Would you like to change the whole of your life? Would you like to change the whole of your life? Because if you want to change the whole of your life, you're going to need to change the way you think. You're going to need to change the, the thoughts that dominate at the moment and see them line up and come into alignment with who God is and who God says he is who God says you are, what God says about your circumstances and what God says about the people in your life. That our thoughts need to align with what God says, God's perspective, heaven's perspective. <coughs> and in alignment with how God sees things, we can see every part of our life absolutely transformed. There was a, a guy who said this, I thought just a great quote, you can't change your heart. You can't change your heart. In other words, you need a saviour. You can't buy white knuckles, stoic effort, self-discipline, behaviour modification, trying really hard. You cannot change your heart. That you need a saviour to come in and change a heart of stone into a heart that's soft to God. You need a saviour to come in and take away the love of of sin to give you a love of righteousness. You, you need him to come and do a work in your heart. You cannot change your heart. You have to come to one who changes the heart. And then this, the quote goes on, and God won't change your mind. He's not going to come and force his will on you. The Christian is not... Uh, uh, I've got this idea from Star Trek, you know, the Borg. <laughs> Do you remember the Borg? Yeah. The most frightful race in Star Trek. We are Borg. They became a collective and they absorbed everybody into their collective. And in being absorbed into the collective, they lost all individuality and became cyborgs, robots who only fought according to the collective. God's not going to come and make you into a Borg, <laughs> He's not going to come and take over your mind. You have freedom to choose what you think about and how you think. But if you will change your mind, God will change your heart. He will change the depths of how you reason and how you think and how you view him, yourself, your circumstances 
and other people. What we think has been cultivated. What we think, if we think of ourselves as rejected, if we think of ourselves as unable, if we think of ourselves as worthless, if we think of ourselves as hopeless, if we think about our future as having no hope and just hopeless, those thoughts have been cultivated and developed through repeated thinking of them. And the words that we speak are part of cultivating our thinking. That the words that we speak actually shape what we think. And this, this preach this morning has taken me 27 years to write. This is not put together this week. I honestly believe that there is nothing that you presently experience that cannot be transformed through changing the way you think. Honestly. I know that we have our type of personality, and I love the whole range of personality of the extrovert, and the one who's at the party making the party go, and the quiet one who's in the kitchen having a conversation. I'm not talking about changing our personality, I'm talking about there is no negative trait that you currently carry that cannot be transformed through the renewing of your mind. There, there isn't. And, and some of the things I'm going to say this morning are, are going to feel quite tough because when you're in the middle of a mindset that might be hopeless or negative or you're in the middle of, of, a, of depression and you're in the middle of something, someone's standing here and saying, there's nothing that God cannot transform through the renewing of your mind. You could come away from here feeling, oh, condemned, or who is he to say that to me because he doesn't know? And... We believe in authenticity, we believe in vulnerability, because we believe that in being real and honest and telling the real testimony, you can have a breakthrough. I believe that some things that took me 27 years to understand, you can understand this morning, and you can have a breakthrough this week. You don't have to go my journey, you don't have to. I've learned things, I've experienced things, and they are for your benefit. Paul says in the Bible, I suffered things so that I could release grace. How many of you know that the thing that you overcome becomes your testimony and the thing that you've overcome becomes the breakthrough for someone else? That's how he redeems it. That's how he redeems it. He, he maybe takes one person through a steady process of steady steps that can feel at times like death so that they can speak it to someone else and they can have a breakthrough. So you don't have to have a long battle with something. It can be quick. It can be wonderfully quick. For me, my testimony is I'm not quite sure when it began, and I, I don't go into all the details of how it began, but I, I remember around 11 forming quite obsessive patterns that were around insecurity and fear. The fear of being late to school. I don't know why I was fearing being late to school, because mum and dad would wake us up for school, but it seemed to grip me the fear that my alarm wouldn't go off. And the only way I could feel peace about going to sleep was by checking my alarm <coughs> 24 times. And sometimes that would become 444 because it had to be fours. I don't know why. It was, uh, it was a habitual loop. It was superstitious. But, but it, it made sense to me. So there would be a trigger. 
of fear. What about if you wake up late for school? The, uh, the, the, um, the behaviour would then be the 44 checks of the alarm and the kind of false re- reward would be temporary peace. Apart from the little voice would say, what if the last time you checked it, you accidentally put it off? Oh, I need to check that again 44 times. So it's kind of laughable. But we get into these patterns, these habitual loops, these uh, triggers, these behaviours, these false rewards, and they feel really logical to us, even though they're kind of crazy. That developed into, what about if um, some plug wasn't switched off properly? Oh, that would burn the whole house down and I'd be responsible. So that little habitual habit around checking the alarm became a routine around checking plugs and doors and security. And some vague recollection, I think at its absolute worst, the pattern felt like, whether it was or not, it felt like it was a two-hour ritual. That didn't go away. And actually, in coming to Christ, it didn't go away intensified. So now I'm not just responsible for uh, the alarm, the house, I'm now feeling responsible for the general public. So if I walk on the a paving slab and it moved, I would feel responsible that an old lady would come along and trip over it and I would be responsible for her broken hip. So then I would go to bed at night and then I'd quickly get on my bike and check it was okay. Now that's uh, it's kind of laughable and almost it could make a good comedy. Apart from that was my life on and off, and I manage every now and then to pull myself out of thinking this is going, up, this is getting out of control, would bring it all back down again. But there would often be this pattern of a trigger, of fear, a behaviour of checking, and a false peace of feeling, okay, it's okay. And wonderfully, God, over the last um, 20 odd years since I've known him, has broken in in the most extraordinary, in the most wonderful, suddenly moments of God. <coughs> And I love that about Jesus, that, that he just, I could tell you at least seven times he broke in, and each time he broke in there was increasing freedom, and increasing space to explore, and in, increasing places to in, enjoy with him, and increasing freedom. But I've known in all of the seven suddenly break-ins that the renewing of the mind was absolutely crucial. That I'm, I would say that I love the breaking and suddenly of God, but every suddenly of God was either preceded by renewal of the mind, or it was after it, there was a renewal of the mind to enjoy the freedom and to enjoy what God had given. That there's always the suddenly, but there's always the renewal of the mind. So we see in the Bible, don't we, that Jesus crosses over the other side and there's the guy who has a hundred demons in him and he's not in his right mind and he howls at night and everybody's scared of him and he cuts himself. Jesus sets him free immediately and he's in his right mind and fully clothed. (coughs) But I wonder if he still had to renew his mind to think I'm not the rejected one anymore. That Jesus of Nazareth came to me personally. He personally set me free. He personally met with me. He called me out. Maybe there were things that had got him into that situation that we don't hear about. Maybe there were things he had done. Maybe there were things that had been done to him to get him into that state. Maybe there were people who needed to be forgiven. Maybe there was healing that needed to come to his heart in the renewing of the mind post that. We don't read that. We just read he's in his right mind and suddenly, and then he's the evangelist to the whole area, which is beautiful and wonderful. So I love the suddenly of God. But I also love the renewing of the mind.
I love the renewing of the mind. And so these patterns of thinking, whatever they are for you, whether it's I'm rejected, I'm hopeless, I'm negative, I'm never going to fit, I'm never going to do well, whatever they are, get transformed by a changing in the way we think and a changing of the way we speak. And that's where declarations come in. As we heard a couple of weeks ago, Rochelle said, uh, nothing uh, happens in the kingdom without first there being a declaration. There has to be something said. God said, let there be light. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And his speaking changed it. Jesus spoke and the, the, the little boy was healed. That Jesus spoke and there was healing. He spoke words that created life. That his words are spirit and they are life. They are creative. His words carry grace. His words carry grace to us. And so, like I said, that's my testimony. And maybe for you, there's nothing that extreme and you've never experienced anything that extreme. Or maybe you'd look at me and say, that's nothing, Jamie. I can tell you my story and your story is not extreme when you hear my story. All I'm saying is in Romans 12 too, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it doesn't say at the bottom unless your story is really extreme. And it doesn't have a footnote saying unless it's OCD, unless it's depression, unless it's negativity, unless it's hopelessness. It just says you can be metamorphosized, you can be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Some commentators say that that word transformed, that word metamorphosized is the same word used when Jesus is glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus reveals who he really is, when everybody sees, wow, you're glorious. You're the eternal Son of God. It's the same word. It's the same word. You can be metamorphosized. The glory that he shared with you will become visible, will become seen through the renewing of your mind, through the transformation of the way you think. So... I want to say to every one of us, including myself, you are powerful and you have choices that you can make. There are no powerless victims in the kingdom of God. There are no powerless victims in the kingdom of God. That when I know I'm powerful, when I know I can make choices, suddenly freedom becomes logical, possible, inevitable. It's happening. When I know that I am powerful to choose... I'm suddenly equipped with some tools to bring some strongholds down and to take them captive. You are not a powerless victim. You are not. And dear friends, if you're suffering with depression, depression isn't something that we catch like a cold. It's something that creeps over our soul. It's something that, it's something that happens somewhere along the line. There was a trigger point. Maybe it was a trauma or a disappointment or a pain. God can come into that in the suddenly breakthrough, but he can also come into that through the transformation of your thinking. He can come and cause sparks of life. He can come and revive what was dead. He can come and take what has become dull and make it bright again. He can come and take that shadowy cloak of hopelessness and make it vivid and bright again. He can do that because that's who he is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't have to live in that cloak any longer. And just to say, on my journey, I have loved talking with people. I have loved meeting with a man called John for two years, untangling and unpacking. I value relationship. I value community. I value people. I value things like Sozo. 
Sozo means saved, healed, delivered. I value inner healing. I value all these things. I value them. So I want you to know that if you, you, there's no shame if in your journey right now that, that, that you, you, the doctor is giving tablets. There's no shame in that in part of the journey. There's no shame in counselling. There's no shame in needing these things. I'm just talking about a superior truth because no one in the world will ever guarantee you a brighter future. No, no one in the world will ever say to you, this can pass and this can change, but God can and Jesus Christ can. Amen. And that's what I'm talking about, that this doesn't have to be your story forever. You're powerful. That everything that makes us feel power, powerless is actually a lie. Anything that steals our hope is actually a lie. Anything that leaves us feeling this can never change is a lie. It's not what God says, because the Bible says he is the God of all hope. He is the God of all hope. (coughs) And any voice that we hear that's not full of hope is not his voice. Mm. Any voice that we hear is not full of joy is not his voice. And in Romans it talks about joy and that we might overflow in, in joy and peace, in believing, that as we believe. So it's vital that for each and every one of us, we take personal responsibility for our spiritual growth. That we are each personally responsible to steward the gift of salvation that we have been given. To work it out with fear and trembling, because God is at work in you. Like Dallas Willard says, it's like, the ball is now in our court. We've got something to work with. God has done something amazing. And what are we going to do with what we've received? So it's so important that each of us as believers take personal responsibility for our spiritual growth. That you take responsibility for your personal growth in Christ. That if you get stuck, if you get stuck, dear friends, Take personal responsibility for it. If you get stuck in your walk with Jesus, don't blame your husband or your wife. Don't blame the church. Unpack your past. Unpack with him how you got there. Let God untangle it. But then move on from it and don't blame it any longer. Don't allow past experience to define who you are. Allow God's assessment to define who you are. To define your potential. To define where you're going and what you're becoming. Let God define. That's why Paul says to Timothy, fight according to the prophecies, the promises, the assessment of heaven. We are never a victim. We are never a victim. We may have experienced things in our life where we were subject to the sin of another person. Yes. And yet, in God, we are responsible for the boundaries of our heart. So we don't control everything that happens to us or everything that has happened to us. But we are powerful and free to determine how we're going to respond to that. That even if at the beginning there's anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, we can say, I'm journeying, I'm going to journey through that as fast as I can. Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. 
that we experience this full range of emotions, but we don't have to allow them to be the place where we land and say, that now defines me. I can be defined by a better word, a higher word, a greater revelation. He loves me. He's for me. I am his son. And so, in any area where we want to grow, we need to hear something new. So, declarations are not the whole pie, but it's a slice of the pie. Declarations isn't the only thing I would do in my spiritual walk to grow in grace and grow in character, to grow in God, but it's going to be a slice of the pie. So, to grow in any area, we need to hear something new. That's how you came to know Jesus in the first place. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We'd all have different stories of how we came to meet Jesus, and how we came to understand he's the saviour, and how we came to have a, a new heart, a new life, a new beginning. But I, I would say that we all heard something. We heard something. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Someone spoke to you something, and it was enough to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. You probably maybe had an auntie, or a mother, or a dad, or a friend, or a colleague. Someone said something to you about Jesus, about who he is, and how he, how he came, and how he died, and how his life, and his death, and his resurrection, and now his ascension has made a way for people to come from being sinners to becoming saints, holy ones, perfect ones in his sight. Someone told you something. Someone told me something. Someone told my mum something. A friend, Mike Ramsey, said to my mum, come and meet my wife, where Mary, and we want to tell you about our faith. And she loved to debate. Loved to debate. Loves to debate. Loves to debate the faith from the atheist perspective. There is no God. Left that house saying, I wish I could believe what you believe, but I don't. Key in the door, opens the door after that two-hour meeting. Holy Spirit has filled the place. She comes to Jesus that night. Atheist to born again one night because somebody said something to her. She heard something that she hadn't heard before. Or maybe she heard it and it was that moment that God was going to ignite it. Wow. So I heard... Her say, I'm different. I saw her live differently, think differently. And on a Sunday evening, I'm now interested, trying not to be interested, telling myself, don't act too interested in this Jesus stuff. But once he starts to speak and get hold of your heart, it's irresistible grace. So I'm listening to Yonggi Cho on a Sunday night listening about if you want a bike asking for which colour bike you want so it's nothing. It's not about the cross it's just I'm hearing something about God Holy Spirit comes I know Jesus is real 
a couple of weeks later, I said, okay, I want to follow you. I heard something. And so any area of our lives, we need to hear something. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So a slice of the pie is any area where you want transformation, you need a declaration where you hear something different so that faith can be ignited, so you can hear something different and the Holy Spirit can activate it. It says earlier in that passage, the feet, how beautiful the feet that bring good news. Yeah. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Be beautiful feet to yourself. Be the biggest speaker of good news to you. Wake up in the morning and say to your feet, beautiful feet, what are you going to bring me today? This is the the voice that often goes around our head is the strict parent voice. You didn't do well enough, you didn't try hard enough, you didn't do it quite right. It's the executioner's voice. It's all going to be a disaster, you're a disaster, this is a disaster, it won't work. It's also like the administrative voice. It can't work, it can't work, there's not enough resources, it can't work. You need beautiful feet to come to you that speaks confirmation, that speaks affirmation, that speaks the heart of God. And how he speaks. So a lot of my declarations for me personally is I want to tune into his voice. What's the good shepherd's voice like? How does he speak? Become the biggest speaker of good news in your life. Remember, I think Steve Backlund said he had a friend who used to ring him. And when he picked up the friend, the friend would say, what do you know? (laughs) We need to be like, what do you know, Jamie? What do you know about God? What do you know about how he sees you? What do you know about how he views the people in your life? What do you know about how he views your circumstances? What do you know? What are you speaking? Is it from your past and your past experience? Is it from the negative words that you've heard others speak over you? Is it, is it from your own negative viewpoint of yourself? Is it the executioner's voice in your head? Is it a harsh parent's voice in your head? Or is it the voice of heaven and how God speaks and how God views you? Become beautiful feet. Words set your mood, words set the atmosphere, words pilot your life, words steer you, words take you into your destiny, calling and dreams in God. Your words do. That's what James talks about. That's what we'll look at next week. If you want to know where you're heading and where you're going to be in five years' time, listen to your words now. With no condemnation. Honestly, with no condemnation. You won't get where you're going without speaking something different. And I'm telling you these things because of 27 years of history and experience. Like I said, this sermon didn't get written this week. It got written over two and a half decades. You can't get where you want to go without speaking something that's in alignment with how God sees you. Words set the mood. Fear-based words are contagious. If you've ever been in a room, maybe it's a staff room, and someone comes in who's dominated by fear. Fear is the most contagious thing there is. They come in and they vomit fear over everybody. And fear is now in the room. (coughs) James says if a forest can be set on fire by a single spark, which is true in the negative, how much in the positive? Yeah. This is what I've come to realise. A transformed 
mind, heart, and enough transformed minds in a church transform a local church experience and community. A whole family that are on a journey of becoming fully persuaded and convinced and renewed minds will transform their families when they go home. Get enough of those transformed minds in a community, you can start transforming a community of people who really believe, of believing believers who actually believe what they say they believe. That's why we sing the songs again and again and again, because it's mind transformation. We've got to sing it again. I lack, there's nothing that you haven't done. I've got to hear it again. There's nothing you haven't done. I've got to hear it again. There's nothing you haven't done. Because I fall into legalism so quickly. So I've got to hear again and again and again. There's nothing you haven't done. You've done it all, Jesus. That when you said it's finished, you meant it's finished. Galatians 3.2 says, How does God work miracles amongst you? And how does God give you the Holy Spirit? Is it the works of the law? Is it, or is it because you believed what you heard? Yeah. So it's the believing of faith. So a renewed mind that begins to believe... The blind are going to see in Plumstead. The deaf are going to hear. The lame are going to walk. Hope is coming. Beauty is coming back to our community because he is the beautiful one and he's in me and he's in you. That's how community gets changed. Not in one generation maybe, but in a generation that says, we're really going to believe this. And we're going to pass this on to our kids that we really believe this. And they're going to pass it on to their kids and they really believe this. And a mighty oak of believing is going to be planted into this area. And people are going to say, this area is never the same again because there was a bunch of believing believers who actually believed. And that we're those people. We're on that journey with him. And so we can direct and we can pilot and we can steer and we can set the whole course of our life through our words. Yeah, come on. I want to finish with this. And I think this is one of the crucial things I've learned. Repentance, his kindness, says in Romans, leads us to repentance. The Greek word for repentance is to change your mind, to change how you think, come to a different conclusion. Repentance is not casual. Repentance is an incredibly aggressive thing. Paul says in Corinthians, we take every thought captive. We take it captive. Any thought that contradicts a revelation of who he is, and contradicts a revelation of who he says we are, and contradicts who he says the church is, or contradicts what he can do in our circumstances, has to be aggressively taken captive. It has to be aggressively taken captive. (laughs) That repentance is not a casual thing. It's not a, oh, I know this whole thought process contradicts God, but I'm just going to let it stay. It's going to be my special friend. Seriously, strongholds can be special friends. For the powerless person, for the powerless person, they use anger to feel powerful. It's anger is my special friend. Because whenever I don't get what I want, it can come out and I feel powerful and I get what I want. Special friends. I'm shy. 
I don't speak very well. That's a special friend because it means you never have to go beyond where you feel comfortable. It means you never have to hear your voice. Because you've got an identity that contradicts the revelation of who he says you are. Paul says, who's sufficient for these things? None of us are sufficient for these things, but he is our sufficiency. They have to be taken captive. The future's hopeless. No, that contradicts a revelation that he is the God of all hope. My best days are behind me. No, I'm going from glory to glory. My best days are in front of me. So any thought, I'm rejected. I'm not wanted. No, you're the beloved of God. You carry gifts, anointings and callings. You've got grace on your life. Yeah. And so that thing has to be taken captive. And how many of you know that when you've got something that's a stronghold, a pattern of thinking that's been repeated a lot, both in thought and word, it doesn't want to go casually. Because there's an emotion attached to it. And you say, no, you're going down. I'm taking you captive. And it might scream and say, no, you need me. <laughs> <laughs> You're nothing without me. <laughs> You're powerful. You're not powerful if you haven't got anger. You need it. Who's going to look after you? <laughs> Just how they speak. <laughs> if you don't think about the future, no one else will. If you can't give, no, don't give that money because we need that at the end of the month. <laughs> don't, don't be generous. Because no one's been generous to you, have they? Let's talk about that. <laughs> I feel I need to pull away from that voice. It's becoming hot in my Let me tell you about the church. <laughs> and it whines. Yeah. Can't forgive that person. Remember what they did. And it has to be taken captive, and it needs to be with the sword, with spiritual weapons. And say, like David said to Goliath, your head's coming off. Yeah. I'm not going into that habitual loop any longer of checking. I understand that there will be still triggers that will trigger old behaviour patterns. But I don't want to go into the loop anymore and do the behaviour. I'm looking for real peace. Not false peace. I'm looking for the peace that's God's peace. The very peace that God enjoys. The very joy that God enjoys. This is what I'm after. And so I'm not going to go into this loop that's false and doesn't reward. I'm going after God. So its head has to come off. It's that I'm in, I am done with this. It's I choose to align my will with his will. This is a decisive moment for me. I'm laying down my right to think like that and to do that. It's decisive and it's powerful. It's not someday, it's today. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't say, well, this is too difficult. I'll I'll do it another day. It's today. You might say, how will I know what areas need to be renewed? Trust the Holy Spirit. I had a picture the other day, which I think this is introspection. It's, introspection is to go into a dark, dark wood without any 
weapons looking for the problems, looking for the reason why X and Y and Z haven't happened, trying to find something. And how many of you know when you look inwards, you often go discouraged because you think, oh no, my faith is in myself now and I haven't got a lot of faith. And then you might find a giant when you're in there but you've got no weapons to fight it with. The only three things you need in your life are these. This is how you find what God wants to deal with. You trust the word of God. You trust that as you read the Bible, his sword is sharp and any sickness he wants to cut, he can cut and show you. You give yourself to the Bible in a relationship with him, believing that in the Bible he will lead you, he will direct you, he will set your course and he will show you the areas where you need to renew your mind. You need to give yourself to community. You need to give yourself to the context where you can have the slap of a friend. Because a slap of a friend is beneficial. Do you have a friend who will slap you when stronghold is talking? Honestly, do you have someone who, when you start speaking like this, it won't work out. I'm hopeless and they're hopeless and it's never going to (laughs) happen. Thank you. Thank you for the slap of a friend. Do you have a friend who knows you enough and you know them enough who will give you a little slap on the cheek and say, that voice, it's annoying. And it's unbiblical. And it contradicts the revelation of who God is, who God says you are, who God says the people in your life are, and what God says about your circumstances. Stop it. We need friends who will get in our face and say that. And we need Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit because he convicts us of where there's need to repent. His kindness leads us to repentance and his kindness and grace gives us the power to overcome. Because this is not mind over matter. This is not willing it. That his grace convicts us. His grace enables us. It's not willpower. It's not stoic effort. It's not white knuckles. It's not now I'm going to change myself. Believer, you already have been radically changed by the good news of the gospel. All that really needs to happen now is you agree with what he says. Yes. You agree that you're powerful. You agree that you can receive the spirit. You agree that miracles can be done in you and around you by the hearing of faith and believing. That's how Abraham inherited the promise of Isaac. It just says it wasn't his work that did it. It was his believing what God had said. Otherwise, Isaac would have been a wage, not a gift of grace. And so we hear something and we believe it. He convinces us. He convicts us. You can bring life, passion and liberty to yourself with him. Feelings in the kingdom always follow action. In the world it's the other way around. You do what you feel. In the kingdom it starts by faith. I will now start speaking life over myself. I will now start speaking truth over myself. I will create declarations that agree with God and agree with who he is. Because I know that feelings will follow action. And as I give myself to his word, as I give myself to community, as I give myself to the Holy Spirit to worship in his presence, I'm going to be changed. And it will get easier. It will get easier. When you first go after a stronghold, 
it will have that annoying voice and it will scream with emotion and it will say you can't live without me but every day you make the decision I'm changing my mind I'm renewing my mind I'm agreeing with God I'm aligning to his will I'm repenting it will get weaker it will get weaker his head will come off Amen